Well, we're working our way through an amazing story called Ruth. And um, we're doing over the next four weeks. So it was chapter one last week, chapter two this week. We're not reading the whole chapter, but uh, I'm starting from verse one, reading through to verse 13. So if you've got your, your Bibles in whatever form they are, paper, digital, or it's on the screen, do you want to follow with me? So it's chapter two, verses one to 13. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of the Limelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked asked the overseer of the harvesters, who does this young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me? A foreigner, Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant that I do not have the standing of one of your servants. Wow. Who likes stories? Yeah? Who likes a good story? Can I just just put out there, um, we don't watch a lot of TV or uh, programs, but there is one series that's coming back, Chesapeake Shores. If you've not seen Chesapeake Shores, it's a great story with great characters. There's no violence. There's just... It's just a nice story to relax to. So season six is coming back. Chesapeake Shores, folks. Great characters. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) But stories are great, aren't they? And within stories, there's so much truth that we gather from them. And what we have here in Ruth is this beautiful Hebrew short story. It's set around about 1100 BC. And it's not focused so often on, you know, all the big stuff you know, what's going on in the world around them, all the, the pain within the, the nation, the national disunity and all of that stuff. It's focused on a little village and actually on a family within a village. And it's not really a romance story, although there's a wonderful story of love just running through the theme. It's about being offered a lifeline and our willingness to take hold of the lifeline. It's about those who are drowning being rescued, those who are hungry being filled. 
those are empty, just knowing the fullness of life that God has for us. And as we saw last week, um, if you've not read it, I think it takes about 17 minutes to read, read it and read it and read it. But the story begins with tragedy. Not only is there famine, which results to the the main character of the story, Naomi, uh, leaving Bethlehem, the area, going to a foreign land as a refugee, going to Moab because of the famine in the land. And then as soon as she gets there, her husband, Elimelech, dies. She has her two sons. They they marry Moabite uh, women. So she has two daughter-in-laws. After 10 years, we're told, they die too. And so this lady is left in a foreign land with no rights or status. And she says to the two daughter-in-laws, look, go back to your people. Go back to your people. And and Orpah uh, agrees to after some persuasion. But Ruth remains committed. And we read these incredible words where she says to Naomi, and it's like a foreshadow of what Jesus asks of us as his disciples. She says this, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. Incredible words of choice, surrender and sacrifice. And so they return home, Naomi and Ruth. And Bethlehem is all excited at their return. And as we saw last week, if you like, the curtain comes down on the state of Naomi's heart. Naomi's heart is empty. Does anyone here know what it is to have an empty heart? Yeah, she's broken. Such to the point, she even changes her name. So don't call me Naomi, which means good, lovely, pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitterness. Wow. Well, then we take up the story in chapter two. The harvest has come. There is food to eat. Ruth is with her. Naomi's not alone. And they're even, we're told in verse 1, relatives on her husband's side of the clan of Elimelech. Just remind you, Elimelech means God is my king. This man, Boaz, a man of good standing. And what that basically means is he's a man of honor. He's a man of ability. He's also a man of substantial wealth. And with little to say to Ruth's request of finding food, nothing to give her by way of advice as she undertakes a potentially dangerous day's work. Naomi, we see her right at the beginning. She starts with this this state of emptiness and affliction. And yet, as we see through this chapter, what a difference a day makes. What a difference a day makes. 24 little hours. Who sings that? Jamie Cannon, that's the one, that's the one. I've been humming it on the way down the road. <laughs> and uh, when I was speaking at St. Lawrence, it's like this tune is in my mind. What a difference a day makes. Well, on the surface, all that happened was Ruth went to work. Getting Naomi's permission, she went into the fields, and in those days, boundaries weren't as clear-cut as they are today. So she went to glean all that she could. And the custom was something like this. The reapers, normally men, would cut the grain with their sickles. And the bundlers, normally servant girls, would go behind and gather up all the cut grain into bundles, according to the law of Moses, Leviticus 19, for the gleanings to be left for the widows and the poor and what they called the resident foreigners. 
And this is what Ruth does. She goes into the fields, not knowing whose field it is. She works hard all day, gleaning what she can, the leftovers. She then threshes the grain, and to her surprise, she's shown this incredible kindness. Not only being able to shelter from the sun, and I think we've had a taste of that the last few weeks, the difference of being out in the sun and then finding shelter is really important. But also being able to share water with the workers. And then she returns home with an ephah of barley. Well, that's helpful, isn't it? You know how much that is. And actually, an ephah is a tenth of a homer. I can see you're equally enlightened. Let me just help a bit more. A homer was about the amount that a donkey could carry. Any help? Not really. It's actually about 22 litres. So about she carried uh, just over two litres of grain, which is an enormous amount to glean in a day. That was her hard day's work. But you know, when we dig beneath the surface of this story, there's so much more happening. For as the writer reveals, in taking the risk to go into the fields alone, Ruth comes into relationship with Boaz. In taking the responsibility as the kinsman redeemer, Boaz comes into relationship with Ruth. And underpinning this relationship, excuse me, God has shown himself to be the real provider and protector. And this is what makes all the difference. This is what gives Ruth hope. This is what causes her to say at the end of the chapter, verse 20, the Lord bless him. You think at the end of chapter 1, her words are this, the Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. How easily we fall into that place of thinking what we're going through is because of what we have done wrong. But what a difference a day makes. How quickly a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, a thousand years is like a day. God turns it around and she's able to bless Let's just think of these three, if you like, relationships and how they interrelate um, together. Ruth in relation to Boaz. You know, Ruth is taking a risk going into the fields to glean. She was a foreigner with no rights. She was a young woman with no status. She was alone with no protection. And if the cries of Isaiah and Jeremiah are anything to glow at, She was in danger of either being refused the right to glean or worse, being abused by the harvesters or both because that is what often happened. That is why the prophets spoke against such behavior. And I think it's one of the reasons why Boaz was so quick to to say to the workers, leave her alone and also to assure her of protection. And what we see at the end of the chapter, Naomi, who's becoming more of herself, was more concerned for for Ruth's safety that she wouldn't come to any harm. But you see, Ruth knew this for herself. Her first words to Boaz was, why have I found favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? Verse 10. In other words, she knew her place in society. She knew that she was taking a risk. But having committed herself to Naomi and to Naomi's God, She knew that she had to risk everything, to step out in faith. And in doing so, she discovered the favor that was beyond her wildest dreams in terms of relationship with Boaz, even though at the time she didn't know who Boaz was. 
And I think the point is this. Had she stayed where she was, had she kind of buried her head in the sand and almost like, you know, given up on, well, this is the situation we are in. Nothing is going to change. It is not going to get better. It is hopeless. That day would have been very different. But she was willing to risk the unknown. And that brought her fullness. It brought her food. She was willing to risk the unknown. And that brought her hope. She was willing to risk the unknown. And eventually that brought her love. And eventually that brought her a child. Which, if you like, was the perfect answered prayer for Naomi, who had no heir. And sooner or later, she was given a grandchild. Ruth in relationship to Boaz. She risked everything. But then we see Boaz in relationship with Ruth. See, Ruth took a big risk, but Boaz took a big responsibility. I mean, when you read this passage over and over again, it's clear that what Boaz was doing was not out of a sense of duty. He was a man who was allowing the presence of God to impact his life and his relationships. We know he was a man of standing, verse 1. He shows respect and warmth to his workers. The Lord be with you. And they greet him, the Lord bless you. I mean, imagine going into your office. The Lord be with you, everybody. The Lord bless you. <laughs> that would be amazing. You know, try that going into the supermarkets. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, everybody replies. I mean, what a great setting. <laughs> yeah. But you know, he walks the extra mile in his kindness and goodness to her. And even though, as Naomi says in verse 20, this man is just one of our close kinsmen redeemers. And a kinsman redeemer was someone who was responsible for protecting the interests of an extended family member. Actually, literally delivering a member of one's kinship group from evil of any kind. And Boaz was just one of many kinsman redeemers that could have stepped in to help. But what we see is him before God taking the responsibility to notice this foreigner, this stranger, and just using the resources that God had given him, reflecting the grace of God, reflecting his love and his mercy, and showing kindness to Ruth. Actions that go way beyond any moral requirements or social expectations. He took his responsibility seriously. Ruth in relationship to Boaz, that willingness to step out into the unknown. Boaz in relationship with Ruth, his willingness to take responsibility seriously. And then we see underpinning this relationship, God in relationship to the two of them. And what we see is God's hand of provision and his hand of protection. I love the phrase in verse 3, as it turned out. And then the next verse, just then. I don't know about you, but I can think of so many examples, even recently, of as it turned out, God providing someone or people or help or a resource where we feel absolutely lost. And as it turned out, 
a Boaz comes into our midst. I mean, David and Betty feeding back the testimony as we've been praying for Georgina. Already there have been many, as it turned out, the manager of the place I'm staying, being a pastor of the church, inviting them to it. You know, nurses praying for them. I, I just kind of, even now, just sensing the Holy Spirit just doing his work upon Georgina and just revealing to this precious family who God is. He is the provider. The as it turns out and the just thens, making a difference in our lives. The hallmarks of God's provision. God is the provider. You know, the first time in Scripture Jehovah Jireh is used is when Abraham, about to sacrifice his son, his only son, out of obedience to God's word, with that knife ready, is told by the angel of the Lord to stop. And as it turned out, a ram was caught in the thicket and he had the sacrifice on the altar. Jehovah Jireh, the cry of Abraham's heart, the Lord, my provider. Jehovah Jireh, the cry of Naomi's heart, the Lord, my provider. Jehovah Jireh, he's always there, filling the empty, the emptiness that we know. But he's also protector. He's also the one he protects as Boaz says, verse 12, under whose wing Ruth has come to take refuge. What a wonderful picture of protection. See, Boaz can see. It's not by coincidence or chance. Ruth has come to shelter under the wing of the Almighty, a foreigner with no rights or status finding shelter and safety under the shadow of his wing. See, in taking the risk to go to the fields, Ruth comes into relationship with Boaz. In taking the responsibility as a kinsman redeemer, Boaz comes into relationship with Ruth. And underpinning this relationship, God shows himself to be the one who provides and protects. And Naomi can hope again. I just want to finish by saying three things, just as we kind of respond at this stage in the story. Three, if you like, words for us to think about, reflect on in our response. And the first is this, for us to know the risk that Ruth knew. To know the risk that Ruth knew. In other words, as as individuals, as a church, we know what it is to be in that place of need. I can genuinely think it's an unprecedented time of needs that we are seeing and praying for in this church family. I can't remember a time when we have been crying out literally for God to save the lives of those in this church family, whether it's you know, babies, whether it's uh, adults, whoever it is, crying out to God to bring healing and protection and that lifeline of rescue. We know what it is to be in the place of need. And yet, I think I'm not the only one who 
has encountered this kind of um, response where things get too much. And there have been moments, even recently, where I've kind of think, God, I just don't think I can cope with this. I don't think I have the strength anymore to do this. And there is the temptation, there is the moment where you just want to bury your head and give up. Please tell me I'm not the only one. <laughs> I know I'm not. You know what I mean? You just, I, I just haven't got the energy. Oh, I just want to bury my head in Chesapeake Shores. <laughs> but it's those points when what God is looking for is our willingness to step into the field. To step into that which is unknown. To at the very least take that first step, just hoping we might glean something from this. Just hoping we might be able to pick up some bundle that will bring blessing, that will feed, that will resource. And you see, when we do that, this is when we see the wonderful provision of God. Probably more than any other time. When he sees in our hearts, God, I have nothing, but I know you're the God who provides and you're the one who's protected. I know that you're worthy of faith and trust. And so I am going to trust you with everything. And maybe some of us are in that place where we're actually taking the steps at this very moment. We're, we're stepping into the field of the unknown, looking to God for his leading, his guidance, for his provision, for his protection. But maybe some of us are holding back and we need to take that first step. See, Ruth, she steps out of her comfort zone. She actually steps into danger as a young woman. Which sounds crazy because, you know, I would never encourage, you know, my daughter, our girls to step into danger. And yet they have. As a missionary, you do that a lot. I'm being reminded by our wonderful friends, Duncan, the safest place to be is in your heavenly dad's will. So if he's called you to the Himalayas, you go to the Himalayas. If he's called you to go and speak to someone in Morrison's, you go and speak to someone in Morrison's. The safest place is to be in the Father's will. But we have to be willing, and he wants to see that willingness to come out of our comfort zones and to take that step. Know the risk that Ruth knew. The second, which is almost seems like a paradox, but it applies to all of us as well, is to know the responsibility that Boaz knew. In other words, as church and individuals, to know what it is to be kinsmen redeemers. And I love the fact that even though we may be in a place of need ourselves, God still loves to use us as kinsmen redeemers, helping, supporting, resourcing those around us. Whatever we have, whatever he's given us, to be those people who notice the foreigners, notice those who are in need, and step into that place and offer it. And I think we do it so well at St. Matthew's and have done. To notice those, if you like, who are gleaning in the fields, who, who are on their own, who might be in danger and need support. But those who maybe mentally or spiritually are alone and they need that comforting support and hug and love. But for us to take the responsibility as kinsmen redeemers 
to those people that God is placing around us. Know the risk that uh, Ruth knew, but know the responsibility that Boaz knew. But then the third if you word, which is, if you like, the underpinning and the foundation of it all. Know under whose wing we find refuge. You know, there are many places we can shelter from in our society. You know, we find shelter in our status, in our works, in our, our close-knit group of friendships, or, or whatever it is, in our health plans, in the insurances. You know, there are like so many shelters out there that we can find refuge under, but actually none of them last. And I don't know about you, but the last two and a half, three years, where the world has rocked more than I can ever remember in my lifetime, and some of you, obviously, uh, going through uh, the war as children will see things differently. But I can't remember the world being rocked so much as it is now. And if you like, the shelters that we thought and assumed we had just tumbling and crumbling all around us. There is a reminder in God's word. There is only one place that we find shelter that lasts. And that is under the wings of the Almighty. And I think God really wants us to know that, folks. For ourselves, for our families, for this church family, for our community, for this island, if you're a visitor, wherever you are and wherever you're from. God wants us to know that he is the rock in whom we can find a refuge, Psalm 18. He is the rock in which we can stand secure. He is the shelter, the shadow under whose wing we find that safety. And he's wanting us to stay in that place with him, not just now, but for eternity. And so as it turns out, we see his hand of provision and protection at work. So let me just round this off and uh, just uh, pray for us in a moment. But for us to know the risk that Ruth knew, maybe God is speaking and has been speaking about you stepping out with him into the fields. But also to know the responsibility that Boaz knew, what it means for us to be kinsmen redeemers, looking around to those in need and offering what God has given us to help and support But with it all, know under whose wing we come and find refuge. Let's pray. Can I ask us to stand together? God, I thank you so much for your word to us. Thank you for this amazing story that reveals so much of your plans and purposes for our lives. That there is always a lifeline. There is always hope with you. And I thank you for the testimony that we see in Ruth's life. And Father, the testimonies we know in our own lives. When it seems hopeless or empty, as it turned out, you always come near. And you always take hold of us. And we always see your provision and protection. And so I pray for each one of us. Father, if there are fields that you're calling us to step into, then we would take the risk and trust you and go with you. And if there are people that you're wanting us to help and support, 
that we would be like kinsmen redeemers and we would step into that place using what you've given us and in and through it all we would stand firmly on the rock that is Jesus.